Hey everyone, and welcome back to Metaverse Musings, a research-focused podcast that's part of Delphi Digital. Together, we'll explore the foundations of what many believe to be the internet's successor, a virtual extension of the natural world where most of us will eventually live, work, and play. To some, it represents our next great milestone as a network species, and to others, it is something to fear. With our guests, we explore the technology, philosophy, and culture of this brave new world. If you're not yet subscribed to the Delphi Research Portal, then I fear for your soul. You're missing out on the most incisive analysis that the digital asset space has to offer. Seriously, check it out. As a reminder to the DGENs out there, nothing said in this podcast is solicitation to buy or sell any security or token or to make any financial decisions. Once again, this is not financial advice. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of Metaverse Musings. I'm very excited today to introduce you to the Webiverse team who have been deep sort of in the trenches and on the front lines building, uh, you know, leveraging a lot of the sort of open standards and really kind of pioneering what the sort of open Metaverse could actually look like. So I'm extremely excited to uh, to find the opportunity to chat to the team today. So guys, perhaps you could kick it off, each of you given a quick intro, um, sort of high level on, on, on sort of who you are and where you fit into the operation. And then perhaps we can uh, sort of touch upon the uh, the origin story of this whole whole operation. Cool. How'd you- I think let's start with Avier. My story yeah. is really long, so I never know when to start these stories. Um, but I've been doing open source metaverse type stuff for the better part of a decade, and I've been programming for 10 years before that. So I've always been knee deep in this stuff. And um, through that, I met a lot of really cool people like Jin, for example, through some of the open source projects and some of the communities that I founded along the way. Um, and yeah, we've done a lot of stuff together. Um, in the meantime, kind of collecting the best of the open technologies that we knew were going to be important one day. And then they did end up to be they, they did end up being um, super important um, in terms of now everybody wants basically their own metaverse. Um, and that slowly evolved into a company. We got funded. Um, and yeah, we're about to release our first products. Super exciting. Jin, perhaps you could touch upon yeah, your, your, your side and your involvement. Yeah. Hey, so uh, I've been lifelong interested in open source and decentralized technology, got into VR in a very early days really want to, you know, ensure that the future of the metaverse is open and, you know, something that is, we have an alternative, uh, you know, platform in which, you know, the users have control of. And so I've spent a lot of time like researching and organizing, um, you know, what are the kind of ingredients we need to build this from and building. And uh, me and Avier, we uh, started a um, organization called uh, Metaverse Makers. Uh, it would it would have three M's because we wanted to flip WWW upside down, um, but we couldn't decide what the last uh, M meant, so we kept that silent. Um, but it, you know, it was basically a kind of a coalition of open source devs uh, f- across like VR, AR, and working on peer to peer tech, and um, you know, through that, uh, just kind of realizing also the importance of incentives to align um, creators building all this stuff. And that kind of brought us to like Web3 and crypto and the realization that this is kind of like the missing piece. And uh, yeah, so my involvement nowadays is like, I'm like kind of helping guide a lot of like NFT projects to, you know, as they kind of transition to 3D and more metaverse type of formats, you know, going upgrading from like 2D uh, art to kind of more 3D, like metaverse native um, type of formats that 
we can use as building blocks in game dev and different applications, um, you know, built on open standards that can be interoperable across hundreds of applications and projects, you know, not just, uh, you know, NFTs in one video game, but something that can work across many. Awesome. Love it. And, and then... Yeah. So, yeah, that just brings to me, uh, so I'm the last character in the WebWorks story. Um, product guy, worked in like big tech, consumer, um, got into crypto in 2014. Um, and basically I could see this new super cycle which was coming, which was metaverse, which was basically, you know, like more immersive mediums. Um, and I got interested in the space and uh, basically in the, at the, towards the end of 2020, early 21, um, a lot of practical writing and demos were coming out of Webverse writings of Jin, um, as well as, you know, some uh, demos, uh, as well as recorded videos, which were done as part of M3. Uh, I stumbled across one which was very inspiring for me. Um, it was like Freedom, Freedom and Association uh, in the Metaverse, in which basically Avia does a demo in which he goes from one game to another. This is a, this is a demo of two years ago. Uh, so he's going from like VR chat to Minecraft. Uh, to No Man's Sky, uh, and he's using NFTs, 3D NFTs at that time, uh, from one game, inventory in one game to the other, and he was demonstrating it. And for me, it was just like mind blowing. Um, and uh, yeah, that's how I started talking uh, to Avir. And basically, right now, I mostly work uh, uh, with Avir on the organization as well as uh, you know the the market side of things. Uh, whereas Avery is uh, very much focused on the product. Um, yeah, and I mean, in a nutshell, uh, when I started off and Avery told me that, you know, he's trying to build this from open standards on the web, I did not believe it. <laughs> I was like, okay, this is not happening. But uh, as you can see right now, I mean, Avery is playing the game. This is all on the web, right? Like, it's uh, it's amazing uh, for, for what uh, we have already, I would say, you know, like demonstrated the capability of, uh, having something like this on the web, because at the end of the day, the web is the most democratic medium, it's the permissionless gateway, uh, which we believe should be the foundations on which our future virtual world should be built. Absolutely. No, I love it. And, and so maybe we could um, just take what was sort of like one step back and like, um, perhaps one of you could give like a sort of, uh, you know, the thousand foot view, the high level summary of what Webiverse really is in, in sort of like the, the way you guys um, seek to communicate it. And then, um, yeah, I would love to dig into sort of, yeah, that kind of origin story and, and, you know, why web basically you touched upon some of the things there. But if we could start with just the high level overview, it would be, uh, I think it would be useful for those listening. I'll start with a quick uh, high level one, and then I'm sure Avir and general add to it. Uh, I think at the most basic level, we want to make um, something which qualifies as an open interoperable metaverse. Uh, what is the definition of an open metaverse? Uh, Jin has been talking about this for years, so I think he's the best person to address it. Uh, and from Avery's perspective, uh, it's more, you know, how we can actually set up the foundations which could become protocols uh, not just like computer protocols, but also like human standard protocols on which, you know, like, because once st things start becoming in the form of protocol, just like a web page, right? Like everything is standardized, either a JPEG, either a PNG. That is what paves the path towards in interoperability. And that's also what paves the path towards, um, you know, being out of uh, wall gardens. Uh, I would, you know, leave it to Jen and Avery to add more flavor to this. 
Yeah, uh, I kind of define like um, what makes an open metaverse open um, and short uh, freedom of expression. So like having the ability to have like custom avatars and worlds and uh, the ability to like transact freely. So having a neutral infrastructure uh, for like payments and which like crypto is the most neutral like rails to do so. And something that leverages interoperable open standards and open source, which leads also to like the right of exit. And this is a big thing in Web3 in which you can have like decentralized front ends to the same shared data layer. Um, so if you don't like, for example, OpenSea, you can use LooksRare. Or, um, if you, you know, the ability to bring your stuff from one platform to the next is like the idea of interop as well. And uh, strong guarantees of privacy, which I think really boil down to like, do you have the ability to audit the code? Um, do you have the ability to run your own presence server, like the multiplayer server in which uh, all of your kind of networking information uh, gets sent to um, and inspect what's going on underneath the hood? And Webverse, I think, is the one project that checks all these boxes. I mean, if you look at the other kind of uh, Web3 like metaverse offerings, they kind of lack in some of these departments. Like some might have uh, custom avatars, but they're running like a, a native closed source proprietary Unity client or, you know, uh, don't even have the ability to import your own avatars or like they limit how much space that you can build in, for example. Um, and if you just like go by like what is open source and not, that really shortens the list down greatly to like, however many you know fingers you have probably um and so that also gets down to like privacy and whatnot as well and so yeah um i feel like it's like right now the best kind of like reference spec uh version of an open metaverse i love it yeah and then sort of like double clicking on some of the kind of um problems with these current systems you know you alluded to even some of the ones that obviously lean towards um, this whole, you know, crypto ecosystem where, you know, in theory, a lot of these principles and sort of like philosophy is being embraced. But even there, you said there are some limitations to these, um, you know, current current sort of like early projects um, within this sector. Can you also talk maybe a bit, um, you know, to the sort of, you know, on the side of the closed metaverse, right? Some of the some of the sort of failings of those platforms to your mind and, and what sort of really drove that early passion in building um, and distributing via web. I think one of the most important things uh, which we're trying to do, and you can see behind Jen, there is a poster. Uh, the most important thing we see as any platform, which is a metaverse, is that it should be a platform for storytelling. It should be a platform on which, you know, creators and communities can tell their immersive stories. Um, and that's how, you know, like Webiverse is built. Uh, it's super easy to create um, create any kind of content, any kind of experience, basically build your fantasies in it. Uh, and I think that's a very important part. It's not just the product, also the way we are engaging with the community. If you look at this poster, you know, this is like completely organically, you know, people just started building on top of it. And uh, this is like decentralized storytelling, you know. Uh, we don't own the IP of, any of these characters except just one uh other than that you know it's just like everybody like the communities and the creators uh own these ips and we are very excited as to when we are going to launch our experience it's going to be you know a very exciting one in which you know like all of these participate um and uh 
I think uh, more than the product, it's about, you know, giving the power of telling these stories to these creators and communities. And that's what Webiverse in a nutshell is, you know, how easy it is for creators and communities to build. And it's along the same lines of, you know, these uh, great products like VRChat, uh, Minecraft, Roblox. Uh, th these have, you know, like made creators and communities, uh, creators more specifically, um, mini studios, right? And I think we're just like building on that tradition and we're just taking it a step further. We're just use, utilizing more technologies of today. We are utilizing uh, blockchain and Web3 in a more, uh, I would say, a native way. So basically, you know, like NFTs, like how we can use NFTs uh, and the metadata in the NFTs to define avatars, weapons, wearables, uh, pets, vehicles. Um, and at the end of the day, it's all about being able to like tell immersive stories. That's super, super interesting. Can, can you guys maybe touch upon also these sort of um, technical aspects and sort of challenges uh, that you guys face in, you know, opting to go fully open standards and tie this all together in sort of like a, you know, a browser based kind of like web engine. I mean, uh, it seems like a pretty, pretty uh, substantial technical task. Um, curious if you can touch upon some of the primary points of friction there and sort of how you how you overcame those. So I think there's a conflation of factors that really makes Webverse make a lot of sense right now. Um, one of those things is just the diffusion of browsers and GPUs and the baseline level of technology has increased so much that basically anybody can render a pretty decent game on the web using all sorts of devices from your phone to basically everything. And I feel like nobody actually took this seriously and tried to make an actual game as a game studio on the web and purely based on the open standards that the web is known for. Um, if you just basically took all of these different assets and you mashed them together, can you make a game out of it? Um, so we kind of took that and ran with it. And it turns out that the answer is actually, yes, you can. All of the technology is already there. Um, in fact, a lot of the technology that the other engines are uh, using, um, like for example, Unreal, uh, CryEngine, and Unity, they have a lot of open source components that they're using. For example, the physics engine, is just PhysX. And we were able to basically just compile that to WebAssembly and run it in the browser. So we have a full physics engine that's basically anything that you're going to get with any of the other um, native engines. Um, the avatar system was mostly a port from somebody else's open source Unity code, which was extremely rare actually to find because most people in Unity land don't really share code much. Um, they kind of just share snippets on forums or um, try to sell it as plugins. Um, on the web, that's not the case. On the web, basically one person can create a game engine um, just gluing together all of these open source pieces. And I feel like Webverse is kind of at the intersection of trying to be open, good, and sustainable at the same time. And I don't think that has ever been done. I feel like every platform is kind of missing one of those pieces. They're either completely closed source or built on some proprietary stack uh, somewhere along the chain where you just can't inspect things, you can't edit them, you can't drag and drop whatever you want, you can't build the experiences that you want to build. Or they're open, but not necessarily good because they didn't take it seriously as a game dev project. They didn't try to make the experience sufficiently fun um, for it to be worth using by anybody. Or um, they're not sustainable. If you, if you basically try to make things good, and you try to make them open, but you don't actually 
pay anybody's bills, eventually that crumbles down. And Webiverse was, I think, born when we realized that crypto was actually the solution to all of this. That as long as you can fund yourself, you can make open source releases, you can make them absolutely amazing, you can make pe like products that people genuinely love, and it can work. And this can be the kind of movement that builds the metaverse that we actually want to exist. The kind of metaverse that people say will never exist because it's too idealistic. And we're at this kind of weird point in history where some of this stuff is finally becoming possible. I love That's that. That's how I see it. And I think a very important point, which uh, Aver kind of alluded to, uh, is that you know we basically adhere to the philosophy, which is very inherent to crypto, is that open source everything but the token. And I think mm -hmm. you know that's uh, basically what enables these models to be financially feasible, and you know the power of networks to come in. Absolutely. So I'd love if you guys could touch upon um, sort of how you guys are approaching that side of things in terms of how you've managed to finance yourself, how you plan to build some sort of like sustainability into this ecosystem. Um, I think you guys might have some cool roadmap items that you might be able to share. I'd love if you could touch upon that in terms of how you guys have approached the economics of getting to where you are. And then, um, yeah, we'd love to dig into, into, the, into the actual platform a bit more. Sure. So I think uh, before I go into that, it's important to understand that, you know, Webiverse is actually, you know, like a, like a stack of technologies. Uh, so at the most basic level, uh, it's Webiverse, the game engine, uh, which is built upon 100% open source ingredients and is a 100% open source game engine as well. Uh, it's, in my opinion, and I think uh, it, it holds true, it's probably the best game engine on the web with the best possible gameplay. Um, after, you know, like, like that's, that's the most basic level of stack. On top of that is a platform layer, uh, a good analogy. So like the game engine layer, the analogy could be Play Canvas, Unity. Of course, it's not as feature-packed as Unity at this point in time, but, you know, it's made for a specific purpose. Um, native for Web3 and also native for WebXR. Uh, WebXR enables us to have, you know, like AR, VR-based native support as well. Uh, so basically, you know, anything which runs, it, it's a URL which can run uh, on your browser, either on the laptop, uh, on your mobile as well, and then in VR as well. We already had VR, we have disabled VR at this point in time, uh, mobile support is also coming in. So on top of that game engine, the second layer, the stack is the platform stack. So it's something similar to... Um, Roblox or Sandbox, right? Uh, but uh, the idea is that how can users uh, create user-generated content? And these user-generated content could be avatars, weapons, wearables. It's super easy to make things in Webiverse. You can just like drag and drop them in. Um, as well as, you know, you can just connect your wallet and bring your NFTs in. Uh, I mean, it could be just a 3D asset uh, with, you know, the right level of metadata defined. Uh, you can ass assign and extend those properties to those components as well. Um, so that's something which is, you know, like unique to us. Uh, and as part of this layer, uh, we have other features as well, which is like social features, like we have text-to-speech, speech-to-text, um, as well as, you know, we have uh, AI features, which includes uh, not just like uh, not just like natural language processing, you know, like locomotion uh, and all of those AI-driven features as well. So all of these features we provide to the creators. So the whole idea is that any big centralized corporation like Meta or, or any big gaming studio, whatever they are going to provide as part of the centralized closed source engine, we provide all of that to uh, any of the creators as well, right? 
On top of that, so this is the second layer, which is the platform layer. On top of that, we are launching with um, our own experience, which is Upstreet. Uh, and Upstreet, the best definition of it, I would say, is that you know it's World of Warcraft meets Roblox. Uh, it's basically where you know communities and creators have their own virtual worlds, have their own games. We help them build those, and then they are part of one you know meta game. Um, We'll be sharing details of this publicly, uh, you know, in, in the next few weeks. Uh, we are looking to launch uh, in, I would say, the next three to six weeks uh, with, with an NFT drop. Uh, and uh, the way Upstreet is going to progress is it's in seasons. Um, and, you know, for every season, there is a season pass. And basically, you know, all the creators and communities that come in, we help develop their experience. There is a is a period of development, collective development. We treat it as like you know you treat a season, a show, uh, and then after that you know there is a gameplay season, uh, a gameplay period as well, right? Uh, so I think it's like the technology and all is fine, but we have thought, given a lot of thought in terms of game design, and we actually want a fun experience, right? Like we want something which we would be playing, and you know we would be wanting to have fun. Like we want you to be having uh, fun as well, and you know not just uh, something which is uh, on the on like on the lawyers or some sort of cryptonomics. Um, so that is what we have, uh, you know, in terms of the vertical stack. Um, other than that, we also have our marketplace. We have a Discord board, which I would say, you know, is is uh, something uh, which has more features than Collabland, uh, which basically enables these creators and communities to have token gated access, etc., of of their experience within Upstreet. Uh, as well as, you know, like community-based voting, decisions, etc. Um, what else? Um, yeah, and then we have like creator tools uh, on in the pipeline. For example, we have a Unity exporter coming in. We have level editor. Right now, there's like an in-game drag and drop kind of stuff. You can just, you know, drag and drop assets. You can bring your NFTs in and you can just, you know, create your experience. And when I say you can bring your NFTs in, it's not just like as 3D assets. You can actually bring them in and you can like with with simple, uh, you know, low code based uh, uh, editor. You can just define them as a pet. You can define them as a weapon, and you know, like those stats are 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 already assigned. Um, that's and and you know the way uh, we plan to make it sustainable is actually the long term vision is to actually create a sustainable economy within Webiverse, and that that is how you know we want to make it sustainable. Uh, and the economy, how does how can that be created? It's created through good content. It's created through supporting the right uh, creators and communities. Uh, you know that's basically uh, the model on which we we are working towards. Uh, in the short term, um, we we are actually seed funded. Uh, we got funded in in January twenty one. Uh, like some of the of the crypto native uh, VCs. Uh, uh, have backed us, uh, and I mean we're very thankful to them. It's uh, you know, it's, it was basically, you know, like a bunch of people just found like Avier and Jin doing cool, cool shit. And they were like, okay, here's this money, no strings attached to, you know, like change the world. <laughs> it's, it was like that kind of, uh, that kind of uh, commitment. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm sure like Jin and Avier will have something to add to it. Uh, yeah, I just kind of want to comment on the street Avier is on. And one thing that like, you know, really inspired so many of us was the book snow crash 
And when everyone talks about metaverse, I'm like wondering, have they read Snowcash? Because like, there's this concept of the streets, you know, and here we are like building like grids, you know, like, so we kind of like thought about it, like, um, okay, like, what if we actually build the street? And what if, you know, like each season was like a block that gets connected, you know, we could like literally kind of, it's like a literal blockchain then in a way, you can go forwards and backwards in time and it kind of, I think, is also like uh, more easily understood by uh, people coming into this ecosystem where they're like, you know, it's Webiverse, right? Like 3D internet. Well, yeah. you know, what we're doing right now with websites is we're scrolling up and down. But what if you could for- scroll forwards and backwards? And that's like what Avier is doing right now. Like, so I, I feel like it would be much easier for uh, people to navigate and kind of like a something that threads the needle between all these worlds like upstreet is kind of like that open source disney like kind of production uh like studio uh that's collaborative and we're like finding a way to kind of weave these narratives and lores all together kind of reminds me of smash bros in a way like with that main gameplay that weaves all those nintendo characters yeah, no, <clears throat> I love that. I also love, uh, yeah, obviously Duff and the Cat to Snow Crash with uh, with the street. Um, and I think it totally makes sense and is super intuitive in terms of how, um, you know, it evolves outwards uh, and like almost chronologically. And you can kind of um, gauge where you are in terms of the evolution of the, the Webiverse universe based upon, you know, where, sort of like where you are along that road. It's uh, It's really cool. I love that. I think one aspect of Webiverse that hasn't been covered yet is... This is kind of our secret plan, but I don't think it's very much of a secret plan because it's also the plan of Mark Zuckerberg, which is really that, um, like, I think the metaverse is also going to be hugely defined by AI and the power of AI in terms of um, what it gives people in terms of creation tools and so on. So actually, all of this is hooked up to GPT-3 already, and every single NPC in the world has their own personality that's just kind of defined using, again, web standards. Uh, what that allows us to do is, I can't actually show you because this hasn't been approved by OpenAI yet, but you can talk to characters um, and basically have a full RPG type experience where not only do you have your own items, but other characters in the story have items. You can bargain with them using crypto that's on chain um, to essentially have a full game made out of user generated content. It's actually really easy to set this stuff up when you mint yourself an avatar or any other object for that matter, we're going to have a bunch of wizards that will walk you through the process of creating whatever it is you're trying to create, whether it's a Yeti or any sort of crypto idea that you have. You'll be able to basically select the different options, the different uh, types of uh, actions that your character can perform, um, as well as their stats and define their lores. And all of that gets mixed into the engine where it turns into a full RPG experience and your NFTs really just come to life. Um, I think, I wish I could really show some of this stuff, but I think that's going to open up a lot of eyes um, to the power of the web and what collecting a bunch of standards combined with AI can really do for um, game creation. I think it could be revolutionary. That's amazing. I mean, I can attest to it, you know, basically... I think it's just going to give so much power to like individual creators and communities. Uh, like we, we like, <laughs> like the, the results which we have seen is basically, you know, like people will be able to like create their end to end, like full RPG experience 
uh, with very least amount of effort, right? And I think that's what metaverse is, right? I think the metaverse is uh, immersive stories. Um, and that, if we combine with creator-driven, community-driven lores, uh, I think that just becomes super engaging, you know? Uh, and I think that's also something which um, we are lucky to, you know, like found like like a good organic community and people are building on top of it. I think the stories are what's going to define the metaverse. And it's extremely important that these stories are owned by people. Um, they have a high sense of ownership in it because that's what's going to add the diversity and color to it. Uh, you know, if like if like one person just like builds it, it's just going to be homogenous, right? Like whatever it is, right. even if it's good or bad, it's just going to be homogenous. Uh, and I think... Uh, and and people like uh, I mean you've been in crypto I'm sure like you follow crypto Twitter like some of these lores like the Wasis and all right like they've just been like so organically developed like I don't think like a writer like can just you know like come up with it uh, because right. like they're so so community driven and people relate to them like people you know like relate to them every day of their lives um, and I think like being able to like bring those stories in a more immersive way. That's uh, that's what makes you know like the whole experience so much better. Right, I, t I totally agree. You can't really compete with the with the grand sum of collective creativity and, and ingenuity. Um, I'm a big believer in obviously giving tools to builders and, and, and providing and facilitating creative freedom. Um, yeah, one of the things I wanted to ask is obviously you're sort of like seeding this whole. Um, um, I mean, you're sort of like seeding the first experience, I guess, with with this Upstreet uh, project, like. What can we expect in terms of timeline for like, um, you know, opening up broadly to creators? Like maybe you could even show us like what the creative process looks like currently. Um, Ava, it would perhaps be cool to run through. And then we'd just love to get your thoughts about the sort of transition towards, um, I guess, almost like more professional creators coming towards this platform. Obviously, especially in crypto, we've seen like very strong like developer incentives. Um, in the form of grants and trying to attract people to places like Decentraland and the Sandbox. So I wonder if you can comment on that model and, you know, where you think it might have merit and, and sort of like how you guys are approaching that angle. Um, sure. So mostly um, we've just started with the tooling that already exists. Um, like we were really surprised to find out that the tooling, like basically first class tooling exists outside of these game engines and the likes of Blender and just these standards that are developing. So Actually, it wasn't that hard, um, especially with the Japanese community and what they've been doing with, for example, the VRM standard. There are mm -hmm. standard ways of just developing 3D models that look absolutely great. And it really just takes a professional um, to go in and use these tools professionally. But they're all completely open source and they can rival anything that you can do in any other engine. So we've just been leveraging all of the tooling that already exists, trying to build plugins and making sure that everything kind of works seamlessly and also really taking seriously um, the feedback from uh, the people who've been making this stuff for years, whether that's for VR chat or other platforms. Um, we want to basically be where their tooling is. We want to write the plugins. So it's really easy to just export all of these things into standard formats. And once that's done, it's been actually surprisingly easy for us. But once that's done, it can be brought into Webiverse. And basically, you get the connective effect of being able to use any asset um, along with your NFTs. And basically, this also comes with a community that's doing the same thing. We're all kind of building out the street, so to speak. Um, the way that we're setting it up is there's not only going to be multiplayer and um, first-party parcels, um, kind of procedurally generated uh, Minecrafty, Fortnite type gameplay, 
um, where you can kind of go on procedurally generated quests um, throughout the street. But each section of the street is also going to be a parcel that can be claimed by users who are playing the game. And you kind of have to rush to get there because the first person to claim it gets whatever loot is on that parcel. Um, and on top of that, you can build absolutely anything if you've claimed the parcel. You can even replace the entire gameplay with something else, if that's entirely your own thing. And the cool thing is, this becomes part of the entire metagame of Upstreet. Everybody is kind of running around the street trying to get to the way they want to go, trying to get the latest loot, um, which, by the way, is completely on-chain. Uh, we actually run our own side chain, so you don't even have to have a MetaMask account or anything. You can just kind of log in with Discord and manage your assets through a Discord bot. Um, but essentially, we're creating this first-party experience where that's the reason that everybody's kind of there. Like, there's some awesome gameplay to be had. But also, if you don't like any aspect of the gameplay, whether that's the characters or the world itself, you can rebuild it to your own making, and you become part right. of the game that everybody else is playing. I love that. It's really fucking cool. Um, I also love that in terms of like a distribution mechanic for like the world building, right? It's like people that are actually engaged, as you say, the kind of race to find these parcels and kind of kind of claim them. Um, I think that's really cool. I also like what you touched upon in terms of you know leaning so heavily into these open standards, even down to the you know like the humanoid avatar formats, like the .vrm stuff. Like um, you know, it's uh, there's that great Chris Dixon line that um, you know, uh, composability is to software what compound interest is to finance, right? Especially for you guys, assets and stuff only ever need to be it's sort of invented once. So you'd expect the, the the speed of creativity and the building of all these worlds to be, you know, massively accelerated versus these like top down efforts. Um, yeah, super, super exciting. Um, and so you mentioned you've just, already got just, a core like, sorry, go on, go just, on. Yeah, just to add to that point, right? I think uh, one important aspect of uh, Upstreet uh, in terms of creator-driven content, and that just like blows everyone's mind from creator's perspective, is the drag and drop functionality. Like you can just mm -hmm. drag and drop assets in. You can build your world in within it, uh, and you know, like you can just drag and drop assets, and like you would be able to like define them as weapons, wearables, pets, etc. Right? Like that's just opens a completely new level of ease for creators. Now that's on one end of the spectrum, right? Another end of the spectrum, what changes the game for us is the fact that we are open source. So what happens is that, for example, anything which we make is there. Like for example, I create any kind of vehicle, right? It's there. The code is there and we've already seen that, you know, hackers are gonna hack, models are gonna mod. They just pick up that and they create like 100 different iterations of it, 150 different iterations of it. And that's the whole point of the season. We create our mm -hmm. own first party experience. We lead the way and, you know, we try to create a great standard and you know, everything's open source. It's commercially licensed available to anybody who is, you know, part of the ecosystem. They can just create that code and create like 100 different, you know, iteration variations of it for their, uh, whatever they want, for their own stories, for their own virtual worlds, right? Um, so that just gives you complete level of customizability. So on one hand, you are, have like the very basic beginner level experience in which you can just drag and drop them in. Then you can either have a level editor or Unity exporter, or you can just, you know, go down to the code and, you know, just look at whatever we had and, you know, you can just change a few parameters and create your own versions of it. Right. No, it's uh, it's super cool. Um, um, <clears throat> sorry, I'm getting somewhat distracted by these glowing orbs and things over here with, <laughs> with Ava. Um, so y y you guys mentioned as well that there's already an existing sort of organic community building in here. Like, um, 
I guess you're going sort of like much more public now, especially with the launch of Upstreet. Like, um, what's kind of the roadmap both for, uh, you know, the, I guess the player perspective, uh, I guess what, what do you guys want from players? Like, how do you want people to come and engage with this sort of first party experience? And then the other hand, obviously, is the builders of these worlds, right? Um, I guess like what, what's your hope for the next six, 12 months from each of those, you know, different sort of, uh, uh, demographics, if you like. Yeah. I think the first hope is from the builders, and I mean, Jin is one of them. So I'm sure like Jin can speak on behalf of the builders is to, and I think a lot of crypto OG builders, uh, you know, like they, they just like these platforms anyways. Like that's why, you know, like a lot of people are, even right now they're building experiences on Webiverse, right? Like even though the tooling is not complete, they're still building it. Um, I think the appeal to, uh, and like the expectation from builders and communities is to, you know, like, Take it seriously and b build something which is going to be, you know, like, uh, like, like aim for an experience which is going to be standard setting. You know, like I think any kind of experience can be made. And when we say any kind, we need to be aiming to compete with established games. I think that's, you know, that's the kind of tooling and the gameplay which we are providing, right? So I think all the creators and communities need to do is like just, uh, you know, take that seriously and have that ambition. Uh, from the user's perspective, I think it's just about having fun. <laughs> like I think that's the only expectation to have. Uh, obviously, we would love, uh, um, you know, like open feedback and all. Um, but at the same time, you know, we, we're doing this as a grand experimentation, you know, like that organic community driven lore is coming up. Uh, so that also, you know, the expectation is, or at least the request is to, for everyone to come up with an open mind. And, you know, participate in this uh, grand experiment of like, you know, what will come out of these collective stories, uh, because I think uh, an open mind will help us go uh, a long way. Uh, to add, I would say when people are creating, they're creating things in like 3D as models, like as GLTF uh, avatars as VRM. And so they're going to work just here very easily. Um, as well as many, many other places. And I just love how like the tooling is like being met and where people are already creating, like that really lowers the switching costs for as many creators as possible to build things and bring them to life in Webiverse. Like for example, um, it, it's just kind of like you can connect things like there's a, uh, editor that's coming back called Editorverse in which it's like leveraging the same kind of like editing workflow as Mozilla hubs. And then like with the unity one, it's like leveraging the same kind of workflows as like VR chat. And with just, you know, a few steps, you can also bring it to the web and the effects are positive. Some, you know, like you can bring more kind of distribution and eyeballs to like, for example, your, your VR chat world, if it were able to be viewed on the web with like autonomous AI NPCs there chilling um yeah i i just like the composability aspect of how like the pipelines are made because other platforms there you have to basically relearn everything to build on there mm -hmm. yeah no i, I love it and, and, and jen you've been um you know you you're actually uh 
the person that introduced me to Webiverse quite some time ago. I think you guys were operating under a different name back then. I don't think you'd settled on Webiverse, but um, but uh, you know, you, you've done a great job in terms of documenting all of the discussions over the years. I know, like I, you guys have done these awesome sort of like um, metaverse outings, if you like, where you guys have all gone and explored different worlds and seen, you know, which mechanics are interesting and things like that. Um, if, you know, you were to give some advice to someone listening in who's been inspired by what they've seen and excited by what you guys are building, like, where should one even start in terms of approaching this, understanding the importance of these open standards, like, you know, you know, skilling up themselves so that they can develop these things? Like, um, how would you approach it if you were sort of like starting out here? I would say start with your avatar, make a VRM avatar. There's free tools that you can download, like Vroid Studio, for example, and tutorials and when you start out with your avatar like i think the open metaverse kind of revolves around one that is like very user centric and then like from there um you know just drag and drop it in to test i i love using metaverse to test like vrm um it, it's so fast and it has like all the features working like as better than other stuff i've tested and then um, go through the docs and like see, you'll see sections like create a weapon, create a pet. I'm right now like uh, like working on some pet stuff, but there's like some templates and you can like look through examples that have been made as well that are linked in the docs and just kind of like come about, approach it kind of like from a modder perspective. You know, you could just kind of like mod things and create your own. Like there's an example for a very simple flying pet, a hopping pet, a biped, you know, two legs, four legs, whatever. Um, and so you can kind of mod your way to creating really cool stuff. I love that. I'll also um, drop your uh, metaverse resource list in, in the show notes because that's, uh, that's a personal favorite. There lots, there's lots of great stuff in there. Um, so, yeah. Um, I wanted you guys to touch upon it. So we kind of talked about, yeah, how players should and could engage, uh, how developers can kind of get started. Um I'd love to touch on, like, I know you guys have already started exploring, uh, you know, true to the ethos of crypto, um, basically integrating certain, like, NFT projects. Um, you know, I think you did some stuff with nouns, for example. Could you maybe talk about, um, you know, how you guys are thinking about tapping into these communities? And, you know, if uh, there are people listening who are leading some of these projects, how they might get involved? Yeah. So uh, there are two components of it. Uh, I think first of all, we uh, we want, uh, and we are already in conversations with a few projects. Uh, the treasuries are going to participate. So the treasuries want their own, uh, you know, uh, virtual worlds or like entire experiences to be built as part of uh, the 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 meta game. Uh, and we basically are going to help them with everything, right? Like which includes the three D avatars, the world building aspect, etc. What is extremely important to, for people to realize is that whatever you build here is yours, right? Like uh, you can literally, you know, like exit anytime you want. Uh, it's all on open standards. So, you know, there's like you, you can exit anytime. Uh, moreover, if you want, uh, you can even like host your own parcels on your own server. Furthermore, if you want, you can even fork the code, right? Uh, so I think that's extremely important from these communities' perspective because they can have a long-term incentive to build on this, right? Like they can know that, okay, whatever they're building is there to last. Um, the other stuff is, uh, so so this is like from the, the community's perspective uh, as a treasury, right? 
But I think even the individual community holders, uh, we would like encourage them to like participate uh, in the NFT drops. And like, for example, some of, uh, some of the NFT projects, they grant you commercial license. Some of them are CC0 anyways. So with these, uh, the community members can start to, you know, like build their own stories, uh, which could be, you know, multitude of what uh, the founders or the community as a whole would have even thought of, right? Um, and that's also, we are having a few conversations. So for example, nouns is a very good example. Every noun has its own story or characteristics associated with it. Uh, so, you know, you could basically build an entire new uh, experience with it, right? Um, so yeah, I think these are the two main aspects, um, and uh, it would be, it's it's like you know like a Marvel universe in which we get an opportunity in which these characters which we have created in our silos get to meet. Uh, so you know it would be very interesting when you know uh, a Wasi meets a noun, uh, and you know that we we plan to have like not just the game but along with the game you know like. A storyline is also going on and, and you know and some animated short films are also coming out some of some comic stuff maybe as well uh but we want to keep it wild and experimental i think that's where the real fun is going to become uh it has to be treated uh through and through you know as a production experience with an open mind by all the participants uh i think that's what's going to bring in uh the flavor to it um, and that's what's going to give a much richer experience because other stuff has been tried before, right? Like, but when everybody starts participating in this collective story, you know, that's, I think what we are looking forward to having. Right. No, absolutely. Couldn't, couldn't agree more. I'm, uh, I'm excited to see it all come together. Um, and then Ava, maybe you could touch upon, uh, where we are in sort of web versus, uh, technical roadmap, I guess. Um, it seems to me that you guys have done a great job, you know, like tying all of this tooling together, like. Um, is the focus now primarily on the first party stuff on upstream or like does the does the engine and the platform itself sort of have like, like a more substantial evolution to it? No, my priority right now um, is to essentially support the drop and show people what we're giving them. Basically enable parcels to work. Um, so one of the also kind of touching on your earlier question, I think one of the things that I'm most excited about in terms of communities or like the best idea that I've heard is um, some of the communities kind of want to race to get a whole bunch of parcels next to each other and kind of build their own district within the game. And a lot of people have just kind of taken initiative and forked the code and like they're starting to build all this stuff. So my priority right now is kind of glue this all together so we can start um, kind of interacting in multiplayer. And uh, then after that, we're probably going to start working on uh, the season one stuff for Upstreet. But that's probably going to come together actually pretty quickly. A lot of the stuff um, I can't even show right now. Uh, but we have basically all the assets and the engine is nearly ready to plug all of this in together. Um, so that should actually come together pretty quickly after the drop. Um, but yeah, right now I just kind of want to plug everything together and make sure that the street works. Make sure that we can kind of explore all these things that people have already made. Like d working on the tech before doing the drop, like working on the product before <laughs> yeah. dropping tokens. What a breath of fresh air! Say, just gotta the, say the, the the antithesis of the of the current era of crypto. I gotta gotta commend it. No, it's exciting to see. Um, could you guys maybe just yeah, like elaborate on what people can expect from this drop? It feels like a pretty uh, core milestone as far as um, you know someone wanting to get involved and sort of like understand more more about this world. So could you guys sort of elaborate on on what can be expected from this drop? 
and also timings, I guess. Yeah, uh, timings are going to be three to six weeks. Uh, I we are not trying to, you know, like uh, we we are trying to have the drop as a community experience as well. Uh, basically, you know, the whole purpose of the drop is to attract uh, builders, communities, and storytellers. Um, and the idea of the drop is that you know you are going to be one of the owners of this, this storytelling. You know, like you have. Uh, you are participating in that storytelling of that season one and you have an equal contribution to it, right? Um, and these could be very different. Like, it, like the expectation is not just that they, are go, they need to be like NFT communities. Uh, they could be like individual creators. They could even be like artists, uh, literally anyone. Um, and in terms of the drop, it's an NFT drop. Uh, the NFT drop is basically the season pass, uh, you get the season pass, and uh, with the season pass, you are able to claim any parcel of the land. Uh, but along uh, the season, you basically get airdropped a couple of cool stuff, uh, which is what is going to enable you to have your build your own games, uh, as well as your own virtual productions, right? Uh, and along the way, we'll be doing a lot of these production ourselves so that you know people can just look at it and they can you know create 100 iterations of it um yeah and basically you know like uh, the way it's going to progress uh, there's season one and then season one is followed by season two uh the earlier you come in the ecosystem uh you know the more weightage and you know the more um chance you will have to you know participate in the ecosystem throughout like in, in terms of successive seasons as well um, I think uh, that's how we are looking at it. Uh, as of right now, we are specifically launching with just the non-fungible token, uh, but uh, expect uh, you know other stuff as well in the future. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Understood. Um, and then, yeah, I guess question for any of you guys, but perhaps perhaps uh, sort of Ava and Jin as well. Um, having spent so much time sort of on the front lines building this thing, like what do you guys believe that success looks like for Webiverse? You know, um, it feels like you guys aren't necessarily optimizing for, uh, you know, any sort of value capture dimension here, which is very, very exciting and refreshing to see. Like, um, is it measured in terms I, I, of user I would numbers? Actually, I would actually disagree with that. I think we're working on the ideas that are ultimately going to win the world. Um, we're thinking on really long time horizons because um, in 10 years, I feel like the world is going to look very different. If you just look back at what's happened in the last 10 years and how technology has evolved and the surprising directions that it's taken, um, I think the forces that we're tapping are going to be some of the most important forces out there. And, and I think like ultimately this is the kind of thing that's going to revolutionize the world. I think ultimately everybody's going to move online or there will be some online avatar metaverse component to everybody's lives. Just like we had the evolution with um, the internet where basically everybody in the world, now over half the world literally has a smartphone. Um, Absolutely. So, so yeah, when I say it feels like you guys aren't optimizing for sort of value capture at this stage, like... Um, you sort of disagree with that. So could you maybe talk us through like how value is going to accrue to the platform as this universe expands? Because we haven't really touched upon that. Would love to get your thoughts. Yeah, sure. Uh, so uh, two things. First, I'll answer the first question. What success is going to look like? Uh, I alluded to that before, but I think success is going to look like that. Two aspects to it. Uh, the first aspect is that within Webiverse ecosystem, we have a thriving economy. I think that's the main thing for us to focus on. And I think 
an economy needs builders and an economy needs consumers. So both sides of the equation, right? Like you just have to look at it as any IRL economy. Um, the other stuff is that success for us would be that, you know, like other people are building uh, or at least, you know, thinking in terms of these open standards are building these interoperable uh, virtual worlds and metaverses. And so that, you know, interoperability is actually possible. Uh, I mean, a lot of people say that, you know, like interoperability is, is not possible, etc. Uh, we know it's difficult, you know, we know you have to hack your way to achieve it. That's the whole point, you know, like, uh, like good things are supposed to be difficult. Uh, but we want to, you know, like actually uh, work towards that. Um, the other uh, point which you're saying that like how uh, value is being captured uh, in terms of the platform, I think we, so we strongly believe that, you know, the, the next two decades is going to be a battle of two worldviews. It's going to be uh, like one worldview is going to be a battle of abundance and the other is going to be a battle of scarcity. We, we are team abundance. We do believe that, you know, you can have it completely open source and everything. And the value is just going to accrue through the token. Either it's non-fungible, it's through fungible. And basically, you know, you, cre you keep on creating or delivering that great experience and that's how you know the value keeps on capturing onto to it right like i think um and that's it's very simple you know it's like it's, it's in the ethos of crypto uh so that's why you know uh, we treat the the token and the stakeholders of the token very seriously that's why you know we haven't launched anything uh before mm -hmm. we had a product like we really wanted to you know uh, set the bar that you know this is what you're gonna get and mm -hmm. based on that you know you you, you get the people who actually want to be part of this network um, of, right. of building this open interoperable uh, metaverse or the foundations for it. So, so I guess I'm struggling to see in the scenario, like, um, you know, Ava alluded to people already having like forked uh, sort of the code and, and sort of running with it to try and, you know, build uh, and cater to their communities. Like in a scenario like that, how is a token going to be weaved across those two separate now, now separate experiences to accrue to a single token? Sure. At some point in time, uh, the token holders will have more rights to certain aspects, more commercial licensing aspect as well to, to certain aspect of the platform. Uh, that's one. Uh, secondly, you know, like these things cannot be copied. <laughs> like it's simple as that. Like even though, uh, like, you know, you can keep the open source, people will fork it. Uh, but it's about not what it is right now. It's what it's going to be in three months time. Right. Uh, and time and time again, I mean, we are open source. There are other people who have, you know, definitely forked the code. Uh, but at the same time, I think overall the value does go back to you. If in nothing else, not even if you're thinking financially, I think in terms of goodwill, it's so underappreciated right now. I mean, Weberverse. Uh, and I mean, it's all due to the good work of Avia and Jin. We have so many backers and supporters. They have no vested interest in us. Like, even if you just look at our account, you know, like randomly, like uh, people would like retweet us or, you know, people will talk about us or people would like to mention us. I think the amount of uh, goodwill which is generated is, is uh, overlooked. And I think it is... And all of these, at the end of the day, you know, flow back into the token as a financial incentive. Um, so that's our take on it. Uh, and, uh, you know, like Linux is a good example. You know, it's open source, like, uh, you know, other versions come out of it. But at the end of the day, 
you know the main product right. is the main product Here, absolutely that no, makes sense sorry go ahead Here's my opinion on um, what success is probably going to look like. I think us and Mark Zuckerberg's team that he's trying to build at Meta are kind of trying to develop the same thing. We're trying to build an awesome metaverse that a lot of people want to use. Um, I think ultimately it's going to be the technology and the quality of the output that determines who actually wins this game. And there's probably trillions of dollars um, up in the air. And there's two features that we can have. We can have one where Mark Zuckerberg kind of controls this top-down thing where somewhere along the line, um, the taxes need to be paid in terms of freedom, in terms of money, in terms of control. And there's going to be this weird power structure that kind of nobody wanted, but that is now forced upon them. So what success to me looks like is if like Mark Zuckerberg started copying not only um, a lot of the ideas that we're using here, but just basically Webiverse in general, like if Mark Zuckerberg literally made Webiverse, that would be complete success to us because that's the best version of the metaverse. That's what we need to be building. And I think that product, whatever it ends up being, is kind of going to win the world. And that's why I think the token is super important. It's working together, making sure that everybody is kind of rewarded fairly. Um, and that includes the people who are building the foundational technology, but especially the creators that are kind of backing the technology itself and putting their valuable time and energy into building um, basically the best version of the metaverse. And success to me right. would be basically Mark Zuckerberg tomorrow announces Webiverse. I love that. I love that. Um, so yeah, you touched upon there again, the token in terms of the creator context. I sort of asked earlier that, you know, like um, Sandbox and these other platforms are sort of giving out lots of like developer incentives and almost like grants. Like, how are you guys thinking through that for, let's say, your, you know, Genesis creators that are really here, like building um, and really committed to it over the next three, six, 12 months, right? Like, um, how are you thinking about like distributing that value to them? Oh, uh, it's simple. The yeah, it's simple. They they get uh, a free participation in the platform. So we have a we have a token pool which is reserved for creators and builders, uh, and they get that. So it's uh, yeah. It's, There's it's a second simple. part. There's a second part to this. Since we are treating this as a serious game dev project, and essentially the assets from these communities are the main ingredients of it, we're working hard to essentially plug everybody in that we can. Um, basically addressing all their grievances like, oh, like this format doesn't work or we want this token to work. We've built out the technology that can basically make all of this seamless for creators. And we're taking a really hands-on approach in terms of, okay, what's the kind of game that you want to make? What's the kind of features that you need in order to make the kind of game that you want to make? Um, let's mm -hmm. make something super awesome. Um, like, I mean, you have the token. We're all in this together. We want to help you succeed. And I think that's how we can win together. A way to think of it is that basically, you know, like all of these creators are basically like gaming studios and we are the game engine, right? So, but unlike game engine, they all get to directly, you know, participate in the, the, the game engine's decision making. And, you know, we basically work towards that. So, you know, it's, it's a much tighter bond in creating those experiences. The role of Upstreet in all of this is kind of just to be a lighthouse to inspire people and to build out the technology and just show people, hey, this is what you can do. Swap out the assets, reconfigure it, add some more stuff, and now you have your own universe. Rather than just kind of saying, here's some tools, dump your own models in there. Yeah, what, what, one of the things I wanted to ask as well, sort of like following up from that, um, was, you know, you, you mentioned sort of like trying to address all the grievances of these communities. Like, um, 
what would you say are some of the more like universal or fundamental trade-offs that you feel like you guys have had to made uh, have had to make in terms of you know going like a browser-based build? I don't think many trade-offs were made except perhaps time. Um, this project has basically been the culmination of at least seven years of work of open source software from a lot of different people, not just myself. Most of the code is just open source things that have been released by people smarter than me, um, like the physics engine, for example. I actually don't think that the tra that very many trade-offs had to be made other than it just took somebody with a lot of love for the project to go and build something that can actually pass as a game that, hey, this is something that I actually want to play with or without crypto. It's just an actual good product. Um, and I think we're ac even going to have to make less and less trade-offs as we kind of move down the technology roadmap. It seems that the browser is here to stay, and especially um, graphics in the browser. Things like WebGPU are on the rise. Right now we're using WebGL, but WebGPU is a relatively low-level technology that, gave, that gives you graphics capabilities that are pretty much the same thing that you have on all the latest consoles even. Um, and it looks like that's even going to be supported by Reality OS or whatever thing Apple's going to announce at WWDC 22. Um, so it seems like we're on the path to becoming a better and better platform. And we need to make essentially no compromises at this point. Every single language, every single format, we want to enable that. Um, whether that's native code that's compiling down to WebAssembly, whatever model format you have, it can essentially be plugged into the web and it'll work. I love that. Yeah, I mean, in short, the hard work, uh, we have already done that. Or, you know, the pre people before us have done that. Uh, I think from for the creators and all, uh, it should be a much easier experience. That's super exciting. Um, and then, yeah, I guess, like, sort of fo following up from that, like, it feels like there's a really exciting confluence of sort of forces at play here from some of the technical parts you just touched on. Uh, you earlier on at the start of the uh, podcast mentioned obviously just the sheer abundance of like compute um, power and, and how all of that's on the rise. But what do you think have been the primary impediments to this whole notion of like the 3D Internet or the embodied Internet sort of taking off so far? Um, and what is it like about, you know, now where we find ourselves that's uh, sort of unlocking all of this stuff? I hate to say it, but I think the answer to both questions is crypto. In the sense that crypto is such a powerful force, but it's such a misunderstood one that um, despite the fact that we've been making this stuff for like the better part of a decade, people still come and we haven't like actually like I haven't personally dropped any tokens, but people still call me a scammer. Like, I mean, this is the <laughs> longest scam I've ever heard of. Um, so. So on the one hand, like crypto is probably the thing that's going to enable all of this to work, but it's also so misunderstood that it's been hard for us to get our message across through all of the noise of Discord spam, of Twitter spam, and some actual scams that unfortunately chose to exit rather than follow through on their ambitions. Yeah, and I mean, the, the, the answer to it is, Piers, like we have already seen, right? Like when we thought about metaverse, like some people might have thought that, you know, it would be top down coming from like Blizzard or like big gaming studios, but it's coming from digital assets. You know, we are already seeing like a very healthy digital asset market slash NFTs, which is already there, right? Like people are already creating and associating with the digital identities. Look at Jin. I mean, he is a digital identity, right? Like he, his identity is this avatar. So these things are, uh, you know, I think... Uh, like, and, and crypto has just given boost to it, right? Like everybody now has a PFP, you know, like the financialization of it has just, uh, you know, taken it to 
uh, next level. Whether it's good or bad, I'm just saying that, you know, the adoption is, is crazy. Like just last year, like basically everybody has a, a profile picture now, right? So it's already one step into the metaverse. Absolutely. Um, maybe a bit of annoying one. I'm sure you've uh, been over it a thousand times before, but I wonder whether each of you um, have a sort of go-to in terms of defining the metaverse, um, right? I mean, if you had to distill it down to its essence in terms of what's important to you, what would it be for each of you? Um, I guess, you know, I can go with the definition that I described um, of what constitutes an open metaverse being freedom of expression uh, through world custom worlds and avatars. And that is something that I think both crypto, it's the common ground between crypto and non-crypto users. Um, and then like, you got to have the freedom of uh, transaction freedom of, uh, you know, speech and privacy, you know, association. Uh, and I think that really boils down to like, what are the ingredients it's made out of? You know, like you got to read the food label when our digital future uh, livelihoods depend on it, you know? Um, and so like if the ingredients, if there's like view source in there, you know, this stuff is merging with AI, like, Glasses aren't going to just be glasses. They're going to be extensions of our bodies that we wear all day. And if we're going to merge with AIs, like I want to make sure that, you know, I kind of understand what's happening in the background processes and not always being connected to the botnet per se, you know. Ava, how about you? I think the metaverse is ultimately inevitable and it's hard to say what ultimate shape it's going to take. I hope it's the open one, but I, I don't think it's a question anymore as to whether this technology is going to exist. And one of the kind of wild cards here is AI, and I do think AGI is probably coming within the next one or two decades for sure. And that will basically revolutionize every part of technology um, ever. And I just want to make sure that by the time we get to that point where these AIs are advanced enough that they're basically ruling over our lives, um, that the future that we're living, the immersive future, whatever it ends up becoming, is a good one. And so I think the metaverse is inevitable. Um, I'm more interested in defining what is like the good metaverse. And that's a story that we're writing. Uh, I mean, from my perspective, you know, the, the metaverse is just when we start giving more value to our digital time, uh, which is already happening, right? So it's like more immersive space-time presence. Um, and there are several corollaries which come out of it. Uh, how much is your digital spend going to be? And that's also increasing, you know, people are buying JPEGs. Uh, so like all of these things, it's, it's, I don't think there's like a, like a line that, you know, this is where Metaverse was not there and now Metaverse is. It's like gradual transition and it's already begun. Um, yeah. And like, for me, what is important and, uh, I mean, Jin has alluded, I think, and, and it's crazy when people don't understand it, that the human freedom we see today in physical world is a very new phenomenon. Two, three centuries ago, most humans in the world were properties, right? So it took us a time to, you know, like get out of that. Like you were subjects, right? Like either subjects of monarchs or, you know, slavery was rampant, etc. Um, I think when we are building the metaverse, it is extremely important for us that we preserve those rights into these virtual worlds as well. You know, like the same thing as like freedom of expression, right to own, right to vote, 
Like all of those things need to apply in the metaverse as well. Maybe even better, you know, maybe if not, like maybe we can break down a few more boundaries uh, while we're doing it. But I think that's very important for people to realize that, you know, like just by moving from physical to virtual, we shouldn't be compromising on, on the, on the stuff which we have already won in the physical world. Right. I don't even right. think it's much of a compromise. I think we can make better products on open for standards. Sure. For sure. I love that. Bullish open standards. Um, and then, yeah, Jin, Ava, I don't know if there's anything you want to add there. Like, um, you know, you're talking on sort of 10, 20 year timelines. Um, you know, I, I always like to take a step back and, you know, really reflect on it and like the broader context of where we are heading as like a digital species. Right. Um, I don't know whether there's any, any other commentary you want to provide on, you know, um, what it looks like in 20, 30 years when, you know, the vast majority of our waking life is spent in virtual environments and worlds like, um, you know, is that something that you're, it seems as though it's something you're both extremely sort of attracted to as an idea. Um, but uh, yeah, I just wonder whether there's any thoughts you can share at a high level around that. Um, I've been pretty much on the internet my whole life. So it feels like I'm already like digital native. And I feel like <laughs> in 20 years or so, we're not going to be browsing these websites on flat screens anymore um and distance is going to be pretty much eliminated you can get way better networking done in the metaverse than probably the physical world a lot's going to upload online um including the physical world because all the you know pretty much most of the big tech companies microsoft google apple they're 3d scanning and creating a spatial index of like earth, you know, and they can build on top mm -hmm. of that layer. Right now we've seen a lot of like fantasy, like virtual worlds being made, but I think these fantasy virtual worlds, we can sandbox ideas that can also be applied to these 3d models of like physical places and then layered on and then visible through AR devices. Um, but before that we'll be, you know, experimenting with uh, alternative realities in VR and it's just going to be a fascinating time where, like, you know, I've, I truly believe now is the beginning of a new renaissance. And the ideas that uh, and it will inspire the physical world um, or have, in, have inspired the digital world, you know, really came from, I think, pop culture and we're not uploading digitally. But now, like, digital culture is on the rise. And I think it's going to mm -hmm. become dominant in 20 or so years. Like, esports is going to be probably bigger than uh, meet space sports, probably. So I'm a huge believer in Ray Kurzweil's idea of the law of accelerating returns. I think it drives virtually all technology, and most people are blind to it until it's too late. Um, like, I mean, I grew up at a time when the internet was not a cool thing. Like, I was the nerd. I got bullied because I was programming all day, and my parents didn't understand it and so on. But now, like, everybody wants basically a piece of the internet. Like, basically, crypto work is the coolest thing they could possibly do. Um, so I think in the future, people are really going to be surprised how technology evolves, especially things like um, AI and the multiplying effect that all these things have um, on the world. I think in the future, it will be essentially impossible to interact with the rest of the world unless you have an AI on your side. And that can either be an AI that really is trying to help you, and it's an AI that is aligned with your values, um, whatever that means, whether that's it's, whether it's trained on your data, whether it's something that you own, or whether it's something that's hosted um, on your behalf. But the capacity of those AIs to help you is going to be something that basically defines your entire life. And I'm scared of ending up in a future where that AI 
is constrained to think about the things that only somebody with profit or other ulterior motives wants me to see. I mean, you're seeing that really plainly already happening. Like, basically what TikTok is doing, like with um, the different sides that Russia can see and the Western world can see, it's like absolutely different content. But we've built up these crazy walls that are only possible because people haven't basically been empowered with these same tools that we've been building and centralizing um, with these massive um, corporations. I I want to live in a future where that is basically diffused to everybody. And I think a lot of people are going to be surprised how big of an effect um, basically the law of accelerating returns is going to have with AI when everybody can access essentially the sum of human knowledge instantly, um, basically have AI companions, basically be able to do absolutely everything way faster, way better than you could have done it alone. And I think it's almost going to be impossible to interact with the rest of the world unless you have AIs on your side. I want to make sure that they're really awesome and hopefully cute. That's uh, that's pretty exciting. I um, I love the energy for it. Um, yeah, exciting times ahead. Curious to see what it all holds. Um, I wanted to ask each of you. Um, maybe maybe we'll start with you, Dan. But um, one thing that you wish you knew uh, before you sort of started on your whole crypto journey. Um, what's one thing that's kind of come clear to you that you wish you'd known back then? Oh, uh, I think uh, one thing which I I would have known uh, that, you know, like at the end of the day, coins are magic, but the magic holds in the people who believe in it. It's at the end of the day, it's less about the conviction or about the uh, about the fundamental technology of what is driving those. It's more about that, you know, what's the narrative and how many people have the conviction in it. I think that's what would have been very helpful for me because, you know, like I would like, and I think that's the most important thing, right? Like what's the narrative of that coin? What is the conviction of the masses in it? Uh, and I think technology and all, I mean, they're just part of the equation. Probably sim- like something similar to me, like the power of storytelling and how fundamentals sometimes just get thrown out the window, you know, in favor of, like just really good kind of like lore. I don't know, like I, uh, I never predicted some of these um, projects to see the success that they're seeing right now. Like um, just based on like, I guess some things that are, you can't like, I don't know, I middle bell curved a bunch of uh, NFTs during my years. Uh, like, you know, what are the fundamentals? Like, does this have utility and blah, blah, blah. Um but, you know, sometimes just people like the monkeys or sometimes people just like the art, you know, and it's like, uh, yeah, that, that's been a, a real surprise. Uh, and still to this day, I feel like, um, uh, well, I'm learning, you know, I think right now, like I'm trying to show people that things, it doesn't just have to be a static image. You can, um, bring in, you know, it doesn't have to even be your avatar. It can be your pet that follows you around. Um, and some things are more ready than other projects and making that transition from 2d to 3d, but yeah, it's, it's just wild how like, uh, logic, uh, you can't always rely on, uh, logic and fundamentals in this space. It's imagination and stories. I was mostly surprised that, um, that nobody else basically thought to do all this stuff 
that we're doing. I think most of these things are super obvious. But I also have to balance that with the fact that I was actually pretty surprised when Zuckerberg announced that his company is becoming meta. I actually thought we had a lot more time um, before, like, basically these people would declare that these are their ambitions. Um, yeah, it, it was kind of something that kind of kicked our ass, but it definitely surprised me. I thought this was, like, going to be something that happens in 2025 or something. Very cool. The it's language he was insight. saying, too. Like, he was saying all the right words. That was, like, military-grade psyops. Like, the whole <laughs> introduction to meta and the name change. If you just go back and, like, read the script, I was, like, I was freaking out. I couldn't finish the video. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty strange, i got to say. Just when he thought he couldn't get any stranger. Um, but there you go. Um, I wanted to ask each of you as well. We'll do some sort of, like, quick-fire questions here. I suspect I know the answer uh, for at least a couple of you here on this one, but... What would you regard as the most impactful book you've ever read? Oof, that's a tough one. Um, I, I mean, I read Snow Crash twice. Uh, can I pick just? Can I pick one more? I mean, yeah, do it, do it. Take as many as you like, dude. <laughs> Snow Crash, uh, Uduru, the whole Bridge trilogy from William Gibson was really dank. Um, I'll, I'll just stick to those two. Those were pretty great. Mine would be The Power nice. of Now. I think that was the, that would be the most impactful book for me. Man, yeah, it's um, a good one. I, uh, I I read it some time ago. I would also concur with a lot of what Jin said, but I'm going to go for a weird answer because I think the most formative book series in my case was the Animorphs. Um, it was a really weird series, essentially. It's about these kids that transform into animals. And so that's the initial draw. That's why I got into it. But it turned out to be a story about basically war crimes and kids dealing with existential issues like with aliens and all sorts of stuff and the parents were completely blind to it they thought that we were reading essentially books about um kids having adventures turning into animals but it was like serious serious sci-fi <laughs> and that kind of set the stage for um me reading snow crash later and and realizing that hey like these fantasy worlds are actually super awesome and this can be an escape for people who feel misunderstood in an era where the internet is not the cool thing to do Interesting. I like that. I like that. I've not actually come across those uh, those books, so I'll, I'll investigate. Um, similarly, uh, what would maybe we'll just do the same order again? Uh, similarly, what would you each regard as your sort of favorite game ever? For me, that's probably Smash Bros. Um, you know, it's the ultimate crossover game. It ties everything together, and I just like how like freeform jazz it is compared to other fighting games. Like. You create your own fighting style in Smash Bros. It was super moddable also, and it still has like an active modding community. So you can like bring in your characters there. And I feel like that could be like a catalyst for like Avatar and Trop, like a really fun game that everyone wants to be like uh, a part of, you know, like getting the invite to Smash was like a whole part of their like marketing strategy. Like who's going to be next and people like creating memes around that. Um, but yeah, mm -hmm. I love Smash. All time favorite FIFA. Nothing beats that. <laughs> I, uh, I I become enraged like no other game I've ever played playing FIFA. I actually had a pretty uh, pretty sore loss. I think it was seven two. I, I lost last night uh, playing against Jan. It was uh, pretty pretty tough. But uh, but anyway, Ava, how about you? I was too young to kind of be hit by the Doom craze, or it somehow passed me by. 
Um, but the game that kind of like sold me on games being the future was Half-Life and Half-Life 2. And I actually discovered Half-Life 2 first on Counter-Strike, the entire mod community there. I still remember the day when I was waiting um, kind of on Steam for the files to unlock and play the game. And it was the best thing ever. It was everything that they promised it was going to be. And out of that, basically, we got the entire modding community. All of Steam basically had its genesis in the release yeah. of Half-Life 2. Um, so it's probably that game for me Pierce, just to add i mean i gotta say like runescape was definitely the most influential in my, <laughs> yeah. you know in terms of crypto like i learned everything about like i owe so much to that runescape game for teaching me like how to avoid scams and like the value of like things that are scarce like party hats for example um i was really good in there i, mm-hmm. I man i grinded to like 99 range and i went out pking with a party hat um <laughs> and uh yeah i anyways great mml browser base too rs chat you 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 peek in with a potty hat that's some risky stuff man <laughs> you like to live life on the edge that's a lot that's uh, a yeah. lot <laughs> but yeah i uh i uh i totally agree i mean i talk about it all the time but uh that will forever be yeah pretty 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 fundamental uh a fundamentally important game uh in terms of yeah all sorts that it taught me um growing up and yeah similarly sort of led me to crypto um directly as well which is which is great fun you'd um, be surprised how many and then crypto. sort of going perhaps oh, yeah. Be- yeah oh yeah yeah totally totally there's a whole army of them on uh on on twitter the uh the rs chads they're out there um a uh, lot of a lot of time for it um <clears throat> so yeah perhaps moving a bit beyond games um or that might include one, what would each of you regard as the most impactful digital experience you've ever had? That's easy. For me, it's, it's going to be Ghost Club in VR chat. Yeah, there's Ghost this Club whole VR underground chat. VR. Right. Yeah, there's an underground rave scene in VR chat. And if you can make it into the main instance of one, it is probably like, I would say, a spiritual experience um, to make it in there. Really, it's pretty immersive. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a psychedelic experience. Really? Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, uh, like you see okay. that, and then you'd be like, "Okay, I'm excited about the metaverse." Interesting. I, I um, think for me, it's it's uh, hard to say. Sorry, go ahead. No, I, I was just gonna say I randomly followed one dude in VR chat one day and ended up in some club, which is pretty cool. But I don't, I don't think it was this this ghost club. It definitely wasn't the psychedelic experience. Although I will most certainly investigate. It's, it's like it's a Japanese community, um, but yeah, it's a, it's a, it's 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 a great experience. Um. I would have to say probably just hanging around with Jin. He'll take you to all sorts of crazy places in VR chat. <laughs> That's true. Um, I remember actually this was at the launch of their Udon scripting system in VR chat. And there was basically a world that they designed to just showcase some new features. And I think one of the founders or like some of the key people from VR chat were there just kind of hanging out. Um, so I got to met, I, I don't even remember his name. He's the alien guy from VR chat, but he showed Ron. us, yeah, Ron. So Ron showed us around for hours, like through the best of VR chat, um, becoming all sorts of avatars and literally like giving us like trips, like all sorts of psychedelic experiences from just the avatars and all the things <laughs> that people have built in VR chat. Um, it was the most memorable thing. And it's like, I totally remember being there. It's the VR effect of like full immersion. Like, yeah, I remember yeah. meeting you. Even though I've never met you, you're the alien guy. 
totally. Yeah, I um, I've had a few uh, few weekends, few evenings in VR chat where you uh, <laughs> meet someone and they show you how to like glitch out of a map or like do all of this stuff, and they're always uh, countless hours of fun. So um, no, love love both those answers. Jin, as as a master of VR chat and all things virtual, uh, who spends most of his time operating through the web, um. What would you regard as the most impactful digital experience you've ever had? Uh, I would say, I'm not sure if this is like the most, but it was definitely up there. Um, so like a couple of years ago, Avery was working on a demo of like custom avatars with full IK in the browser uh, with WebXR support. And it was simple, like, you know, it, it was like you could upload an avatar and then you have this mirror and it was multiplayer and it was this black void. But it was like, it felt, it hit different because you knew that you were like, that void was the internet, like where you were, like, and not just like on some like um, application, you know, that you downloaded from Steam, you know, it it just was like, you kind of stared into the void and the void stared back into you kind of vibe. But that was like the vast internet, like beyond. And this was all like open source stack. It, It really hit different. Um, I got a video of like when we were testing it and we were discovering like how to scale ourselves like big and small, like perspective wise too. like we could shrink into like a tiny fair and you would see everything like huge and then you would shrink huge and then like, you you know, hold like another person in your hands kind of, it was like crazy. Um, but yeah, amplified wow. by just what it was made out of was like, uh, it took you beyond that's awesome. I'd love to uh, love to check out a video if you can share it at some point. Um, seems like a pretty pretty awesome experience. I love that idea of uh, of the void. It's always uh, it's always uh, resonated with me. Um, guys, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on and talking through all the exciting stuff you're building. Um, I couldn't be more excited to follow along and, and sort of see this vision starting to come to life. Um, I'm sure everyone listening will feel the same. Um, for those that are inevitably on the edge of their seats uh, with anticipation for all that's coming, um, where's best for them to follow along? Um, you know, which sort of like social channels, where do you want people listening to go to, to keep up to speed with all things Webiverse? Twitter. Uh, so please do follow us on Twitter. We do an open development, so we share a lot of stuff. Some of it might feel like spam, but you can ignore that. Uh, and also, please do go ahead and follow uh, Jin as well as M3. Uh, they're doing some very cool stuff on avatar interoperability. Uh, Jin can probably add a few lines to it. Uh, yeah, thank VR on Twitter. And um, you can... Uh, yeah, we, we have events and whatnot. We are right now really focused on avatar and traps. So if you have like a project you want to bring into like the metaverse, hit me up. Um, if you are working on other aspects of avatars, like animation and whatnot, also hit me up. That is all related. Wearables, fashion, also avatar related, hit me up. Um, and yeah. Uh, yeah, thank VR. Same. Any creator, any community, they want to build the experiences which they truly own, uh, please feel free to, you know, drop in our Discord and say hi. We'd love to, you know, help you and support you. Uh, for the same stuff as, like, Avatar wearables, uh, you can say hi to us as well. We'll probably just refer you to Jin. Uh, but, yeah, uh, we, we we work closely together uh, with M3. Uh, yeah, I would definitely say follow, follow the Twitter. Um, I'm actually planning on streaming a lot of development going forward. That's going to be announced on our Twitter as well. Yeah. So Avery will be doing like live 
long hours of streaming sessions. Um, so I think that should be fun as well. Very cool. Well, guys, thank you once again. Um, as I say, I, uh, I'm extremely excited, extremely bullish the open metaverse with folks like you uh, sort of leading the charge. Um, and yeah, extremely excited to see how all of this stuff evolves. Uh, I'll be following along eagerly. And um, yeah, hopefully we'll find an opportunity in the future to have you guys back on and talk about how things have evolved. Thank you so much, Piers. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having us. Cheers. Have a good one, guys. Ciao. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed it, please support the show by hitting subscribe on your podcast app, writing a review, or sharing this episode on Twitter and even LinkedIn for the boomers. Stay tuned for the next episode. It should be out soon.